Welcome. I'm Rab Houston from the University of St Andrews, where I'm Professor of Modern History, and you're listening to one of my series of podcasts on the history of British psychiatry since the time of the Renaissance. This is the eighth block of podcasts. It's about the origins of the psychiatric profession. And this is the fifth and final podcast, which is entitled Mental Health Nursing. I spent most of the previous four podcasts talking about doctors who diagnosed and treated mental disorders variously known over the centuries as mad doctors, alienists and eventually as psychiatrists. But you might remember that at the start of this block of podcasts I listed a whole range of other specialisms involved in modern mental health care. I want to look today at how they developed in the historic past. To make this manageable, I'm going to focus just on nursing, with a few thoughts towards the end on psychiatric social workers. And the reason I've confined myself to nurses is because they are the most numerous group involved in care during the age of the asylum, and, crucially for an historian, they are the easiest group to document because they worked in institutions which often kept very good records. Now one of the things you'll have seen in this series of podcasts is that vocabulary differs a lot in the past and words which we use and understand perfectly well sometimes meant something rather different in history. Until the 19th century the word nurse is an excellent example of that. A nurse usually meant someone in the 16th, 17th and 18th centuries who provided breast milk for an infant whose mother could not or would not do so. Those who looked after the sick, on the other hand, were usually called servants, keepers, attendants or wardsmen or wardswomen. At early modern Bethlehem Hospital, the male attendants were called basket men because part of their job was going around with a basket to collect donations of food from nearby markets for the poor who comprised most inmates in the early modern period. Now the place of nursing staff in psychiatric care in the past and I think probably also in the present, remains under research. Yet patients' day-to-day lives were profoundly affected by those in regular contact with them. Until formal training was introduced around 1900, nurses based what they did mostly on their experience of patient behaviour and on their own subjective ideas of why their charges spoke and acted as they did. Life in asylums was strictly disciplined for staff as well as patients. At the Edinburgh Lunatic Asylum during the 19th century, 
Attendants were actually expected to sleep in the same ward as patients. In 1919, regulations for the recently opened Cardiff Asylum required every male nurse or servant coming into contact with or passing the Committee of Visitors or the Medical Superintendent, the Medical Officers or the Chaplain to give a military salute. Female nurses, on the other hand, were simply required to stand up if seated. Beyond discipline, the level of formal training required was not high. For centuries, the job requirements were patience, self-control, emotional toughness, and a measure of physical strength. Early male psychiatric attendants acted primarily as bodyguards, preventing patients from harming themselves and others in their more manic phases. The first formal training courses for psychiatric attendants came from W. A. F. Brown, William Brown, who you've heard of before. He worked at uh, Crichton Royal Hospital in Dumfries in the mid-19th century. After that, the Medico-Psychological Association, I talked about last time, began a formal training scheme for all attendants or servants or nurses in 1891. And by 1899, almost all the public asylums in Britain had subscribed to that training programme. The Medico-Psychological Association's qualification was replaced half a century later in 1948 by a certificate as a registered mental nurse. Yet even at this date some nurses had no formal training. Indeed training for all mental health nurses was not revolutionized to include clear guidance on therapeutic elements until the 1970s. From the time records first became available until the 19th century reform of social welfare, parishes across Britain paid women, and it was primarily women, to help paupers who were sick in mind or body. Female carers performed what in those days were regarded as their natural tasks, such as preparing food, serving it up, cleaning clothes, or dressing wounds and sores. Within asylums, their main qualification seems to have been a good character, and either an authoritative or an obliging manner, depending on the social level of patient they had to deal with. You'll remember that the experience of being in an, in an asylum was very different for rich and poor, with different diet, clothing, heating, therapies and attendance. Supervising separate wings for the wealthy and the poor, matrons at the Edinburgh Asylum 
were expected to be of the same social class as their charges. The nursing profession in general became more clearly feminised in Victorian times, and as psychiatric ancillaries emerged in the early 20th century, they too were commonly female. The image for this week's podcast shows female staff at a late 19th century asylum for what were known in those days as idiots and imbeciles. The asylum was in South Devon. Their charges were generally docile people. Attracting women to work in lunatic asylums, on the other hand, was enduringly difficult throughout the 19th and early 20th centuries. In modern Britain, there are many more psychiatric nurses than psychiatrists who are far outnumbered by these and other mental health carers. For example, um, this is a case from uh, Northern Ireland, in 1960 clinicians made up just 3% of the 2,500 staff employed in the mental hospitals of the north of Ireland. In sharp contrast, 60% of those staff were nurses. Initiated in the 1950s, community psychiatric nurses supervised maintenance regimes of drugs and helped patients cope with independent living. I'd like to repeat that psychiatric nurses were not the only workers involved in the care of those with mental disorders. Among other specialists, formal British training for psychiatric social work commenced in 1929 when a one-year mental health course was established at the London School of Economics. The Association of Psychiatric Social Workers was founded in the same year. Psychiatric social workers facilitate the social reintegration of patients following treatment and their role became increasingly important from the 1960s. That of course was because of the growing importance of aftercare combined with a move away from long stays in institutions towards what is became known as care in the community. Now that's the end of this section of podcasts. One important point I'd like you to take away from this is that psychiatry slowly shaped itself, especially from the early 19th century onwards, but it was not fully fledged until well into the 20th century. Throughout, its development was determined by a whole range of factors, including social norms, the changing political climate, and legal frameworks. The laws which framed the experience of sufferers, as well as the practice of mental medicine, form the subject of the next block of three podcasts in this series. 
I hope you'll join me next time for the first of those, which is about criminal law and the insanity defence. Thanks very much for listening.